Welcome to another Sunday session. Finals fever is well and truly upon us. Chris Kennedy in the studio with the great man Kenny Scott. The other great man, Craig Wing, is jet-setting this weekend. We uh, tried to dial him in, but a few little technical issues um, put that one to bed, unfortunately. So just be the two of us this week. But Kenny, always good to have you alongside me in the studio. Uh, yeah, thanks so much. I can't help but feel like some of that is uh, somewhat ingenuine. Uh, well, because... I resent that. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a good start, aren't we? No, thanks for, thanks for uh, having me along once again. Uh, great to be here, and what a, what a great round of uh, finals footy we've had. Yeah, there's been uh, a couple of blowouts and uh, a couple of interesting scores as well. We'll, uh, as always, do it chronologically, which means we start off with the standalone NRLW clash between the Warriors and the Dragons. The Dragons um, pretty much had to win to stop this uh, dropping down to a two-horse race with a, a round to go, and they duly did so. Uh, Warriors up 6-0 at the break, and Dragons just swapped them in the second half. We were watching this one um, in the, uh, the NRL.com office, what did you make of it? Uh, I was really surprised with the Dragons in this one. I think after last week, uh, I think I mentioned last week how they were, they'd bought really well for this season, all that sort of stuff. And they really didn't show it much against the Broncos last week. So I didn't think they'd have much of a season, but they really proved me wrong, as most teams tend to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a consistent theme throughout <laughs> yeah. the broadcast this year. Uh, but they played really well, especially towards the back end of the half. I thought the Warriors were really, really strong in defence, especially. So to have to be 6-0 down at halftime, I thought was a great effort. Sorry, 6-0 up at halftime for the Warriors mm. was a great effort. Um, and I think the game turned just after, about five minutes into the second half, the Warriors sustained some really strong attacking raids from from the Dragons, and they had some like excellent online defence, like real scrambling stuff, effort on effort, um, and they held the Dragons out. Eventually, the Dragons got in, but after that sustained period, of, I think it was about five to six minutes, I think they just gassed them, and they weren't really the same after that, and that's when the Dragons really opened it up and started cutting through. Mm, yeah, their back line really lit up in this one. Um, both Eddie Welsh at fullback, who uh, was a, a hooker not that long ago, um, lighting up in the uh, the number one jersey, the, the all New South Wales origin centre pairing of Jess Sergis and Tiani Penetani, both um, absolutely sensational in the second half. Um, had a bit of duress coming into this one. Obviously, they lost uh, star signing the uh, the big forward Twila Fodemoala um, to what ended up being a, a season-ending suspension last week. And they had teamless dramas getting across the ditch. Um, Matua Federico, was she going to be in? Was she going to be out? They tried to bring her in late for Kimi Oranati, who's their star 5'8", who was ruled out with illness and they had some kind of registration issues. They finally got Federico across the line <laughs> um, literally in the, you know, the in the hour before kickoff to to get that sorted out, but she played, she scored a try, and um, yeah, she was really strong. The whole forward pack laid a, a good platform, and then Dragons ran away with it. And like I said, it really opens up the comp. It keeps the Roosters alive. We'll talk about the Roosters a little bit later, but they uh, they're zero and two, but they're mathematically still a chance now because of this result as well. Yeah, I find I found that surprising. I, I just went assumed that if you've lost two, therefore you must be out. But um, we were speaking uh, before we started the pod, and obviously, again, shows what I know. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, that's that's not true. So the Roosters are still in with a chance. But I wasn't aware of the the um, the team list dramas that were happening before the game. That sounds like quite quite a saga. Yeah, well, we get the um, the stats, the, the emails from stats with the, the lineups when they're they're finalised, and uh, Dragons one kept coming through, and then it you know came through with only seven uh, sixteen players on it mm. which was weird and the numbers are all over the shop and yeah they sort of sent a few more team lists through and then finally got it sorted out so um, wow. we were just watching the um, the post-match press conference with the, the coach and he was sort of speaking about the the duress they've you know the the problems they've had obviously mm. losing Fodemawala and then um, all the dramas today 
you know, get with I think they had passport issues as well getting over to NZ, so a few issues to sort out. But they obviously um, turned it around and put in a really good performance. So it was um, a good effort from them. Uh, two things to note from this game as well. Uh, this was the first standalone. Um, yep. NRLW game, so that, that was a standalone game at Mount Smart. Got a pretty decent crowd, and I think it was a, a good you know, good step one mm. um, in what's going to become an incredibly successful uh, standalone competition. Um, and Casey Badger, it was her first game in the middle, I'm pretty sure. So uh, well oh, done really? to her. Yeah, it's her first, her first game controlling um, in the middle. So uh, she did a great job and, you know, always celebrate a milestone. Well done. Yep, good stuff across the board. Um, that brings us to Saturday night and um, what was a fairly one-sided affair down at Amy Park. Storm up against the Eel. I think um, that's 0-6 and six now for Parramatta against Melbourne in finals games. Um, they don't travel too well at Amy Park. I've seen them win once or twice there in the, the last few years against Origin-ravaged sides, but um, against a Storm side that don't tend to lose two in a row at home and, and don't tend to switch off in big games too often. Um, you know, the, the rain around played into Melbourne's hands and the Eels just looked a bit frazzled from the start and after 10 minutes the game was pretty much over. I think the Eels needed to get the jump on the Storm and they did pretty much the opposite and that was almost the end of it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that word opposite. This game was almost like everything that was excellent about the Eels last week was was the opposite. Mm. So, um, and I'm not... I'm not I'm, going to talk about players and I'm not like highlighting that anything is their fault that it was a it's really hard to beat Melbourne um on the best of days let alone an elimination final in the rain um but like like Mike Acevo last week was hero among heroes and he had a really tough game last night so I think he was a bit nervous he made some like he had that shoulder charge penalty Couple of brain snaps yeah. um there was another time where he the ball was clearly going out and they would have had a seven tackle set coming back he, mm. he just panicked and grabbed it and got tackled on the in goal like a whole bunch of stuff like that. Like, he did a crazy tackle on Vunavalu mid-air that was Nothing, yeah, nothing, it was going to be nothing but a giant tackle. The most blatant yeah, penalty in stuff the like that. I think Moses probably didn't have his best game either after probably having his best game the week yeah. before. Um, little things like that. But I mean, you know, hats off to Parramatta getting that far. Uh, I think most people had them picked for you know bottom four probably of, of the of the sixteen teams. Yeah, exactly. Um, great, a great season for them. But it's just it's just tough to go to Melbourne um, under the best of circumstances and come away with a win. So. To get that far, I think, is a mightily successful um, season for them. Yeah, you're right. The first sort of 20, 30 minutes was almost a, an exact carbon copy of their game against Brisbane, except they were on the wrong end of yeah, it instead of the, yeah. the right end of it. I'll tell you what, like when Melbourne went out to that 18-0 lead, I didn't think that that was it, only because uh, that's where Canberra were, 18-0 down, yeah. what, like round 23 or something, and they came back to win. So I thought, okay, we're still set up. We're set up for a classic finish if things go the right way, but it, obviously they just carried on. I mean, Eels can pile on points very quickly, but it just it was not the conditions and the, the opposition and the, the situation that sort of plays into their hands. And yeah, yeah they just weren't able to turn it around. You know, there's a silly shoulder charge early from mm. Kane Evans Good as well that well, <laughs> certainly, certainly did miss him. Um, but I guess for the Storm, um, you know, all systems go now. They're, um, you know, they're, they're forging ahead. They're into the, the prelim against the Roosters, which, um, you know, is the, the mouthwatering clash that we were expecting to happen at some point through the final series. There was a, a late switcheroo from Craig Bellamy. He benched Will Chambers, Kangaroos and Origin Centre Will Chambers back to the bench for Curtis Scott. So if you, mm. you know, if you told me at the start of the year that Curtis Scott and Justin Olam would be keeping Will Chambers out of the starting side, I don't think I've believed it, but um, there you go. So is the the theory around that that Will Chambers just is not playing good enough to warrant a starting position? It's, it's not he, like Bellamy's not trying to play some sort of mental motivation game with Will Chambers and um, 
It could be. I mean, Bellamy's not really one for, for reputations and he's mm. not afraid, as we've seen, you know, with Brodie Croft going out of the team and Pappenhausen coming in and Hughes moving, he's not afraid to make big changes late in the season. Yeah. He did it last year with his, his playmakers as well. I think potentially, um, you know, the Eels are so dangerous on the left with, um, you know, Dylan Brown running off Sean Lane and then Jennings and Sivo on the on the outside that, um, you know, right side centre Will Chambers is potentially a, a target. He's had some some tough matches against Latrell Mitchell uh, in the last two years mm. at, at both Origin and, and NRL levels. So I think it was around starching up that um, that right side defence. Yeah. yeah, okay, fair enough. And he didn't he didn't even come on. He came on like the, the 70th minute or something. Yeah, it was he? late. So... The game was decided by then. I didn't really notice him once he got yeah. on. Yeah, do you have predictions for what's going to happen with him next week? Do you think he'll start or do you think he's going to be benched again? Well, I mean, the the Roosters are a, a massive left-edge threat and that's, you know, that's Latrell Mitchell. So mm. um, having made the change, I, I don't see, you know, they got almost a perfect performance. I don't yeah. see how you can change it back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Mm. Um, what about, uh, I thought Vunavalu had an excellent, like he always, his standard game is an excellent game, but he had Whatever the, whatever's better than excellent, that's the kind of game that he had. He had some massive outside of uh, scoring a try. He had some massive plays like the um, the bat back. Yeah, the, that the, was huge. That, like the, the Very way acrobatic. the way he managed to make sure he was jumping from within the field of play mm. and then make contact with the ball midair and back at bat it back before he landed out was like he just gets better and better. Mm. And, it, and it's not just the like Adokar is amazing and you can it's really obvious why he's great because he just keeps scoring all these tries. Vunavala doesn't score the same volume of tries, I think, as Adakar, at least not in such an obvious way. But it's all those other things that Vunavala does that mm. makes him such a great player. They've got such a lethal win combination. It's really not mm. fair. It's, it's not <laughs> particularly fair. Vunavala, you're right, he's very acrobatic and athletic down that touchline. He has a very good sense of, of where the touchline mm. is. Like watching that bat back live, I thought, A, it's almost impossible that he's done that without going into touch. Yeah. But B, I was confident that he had just watching it and, and he just seemed to, to be so confident of where his body yeah. was and where the line was. Yeah. Uh, it's quite remarkable what he can do. Um, that Adokar solo try early beat half the Eels team. I think that's about the point I thought this game's going to be very And that one-sided. was, what, seven minutes in? Yeah. That- <laughs> the, I mean, that whole play, the Eels just looked extremely frantic. Like yeah. They were falling off tackles. They were sort of, you know, that sort of looked a bit headless. Yeah. Do you, do you think if it was if it hadn't rained at all, like if it was a completely dry track, I still think Melbourne would have won because they're mm. just an, like such a great team. But do you think it would have been as one sided? Do you think like sorry, what I'm saying is I think the rain really played into Melbourne. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I thought once the rain hit, I thought Eels went from outsiders to almost yeah no chance. Yep. Um, but fair play to Melbourne. They uh, they did what they had to do and uh, into the prelims. The um, the earlier Saturday game was the other NRLW clash. Um, the Broncos up against the Roosters. Broncos, I think we might have discussed last week, had their um, in- incredibly impressive roster from last year, absolutely shredded by player movements and, and contracts. They lost a whole heap of stars. Um, Brittany Braley, the probably the best player in the comp last year. The, the hooker was one of the ones that left the team. They had a, very much a new-look team, and they just, um, you know, they keep on keeping on. They've still got the, the star halfback, Ali Brigginshaw. She was excellent controlling proceedings. Chelsea Baker at fullback and, um, you know, some really impressive forwards. Millie Boyle's been absolutely phenomenal um, in, in season 2019, and, yeah, they just keep on keeping on. Yeah, I really think, um, it's, it's, for me, it's the forwards in, in this Broncos team. They just mm. seem – the Broncos just seem to be um, – not when they like in terms of just physical presence they don't seem to be any different but on the field it just seems like they're so much bigger and they're, and stronger like they can push the other team around that's how I thought they dealt with um, the Dragons last week and I think it's the same thing against the Roosters this week they just seem to be able to just push their way through them um, 
a, a lot easier. I thought um, it wasn't all bash and barge. I thought Ali Brigginshaw had a solo try towards the back end of the, of the match, which was mm. champagne rugby league. Like, yeah, it was, was a little chip and chase for yourself and score it. It was it was good stuff. She's all class. Um, to have you talk about the forwards. I think Rona Peters got player of the match. She was phenomenal in the middle. Um, Amber Hall, who uh, is another one of the the rookies, was was really good. But for me, Steph Hancock off the bench. I'm a massive fan of Steph. She's been a high class player for a long time, and to have um, a player of her standing coming off the bench and doing what she does is just a, such a huge threat. Um, probably the best wing pairing in the NRLW with Julia uh, Robinson on one flank and Meg Ward on the other there. Um, it's such a handful out wide and there was that beautiful solo try from the centre. Amber Pilly as well. So just threats everywhere for Brisbane. Um, I guess just a quick shout out to Hannah Southwell from the Roosters who I thought was probably the best of a, a beaten team. She looks a real prospect. Nice one. Yeah, so um, where do the Roosters go from here? They're, they're 0-2. Yeah, well, they need a um, they need a big win next week, and they need. I'm not sure. Does it matter which of the other? As long as one of the teams loses by a lot, they probably need the Warriors to lose by a lot because the Dragons for and against will be so good. Yeah, now yeah, I think so. To crunch the numbers out, so Roosters mm. would need. I think they need to win by 18 plus, and hope the Warriors lose, and then they're a chance of playing the final um, against Brisbane, who'll definitely be there. Um, yeah, and like like you said, uh, the Broncos uh, keep on keeping on. It's uh, yeah, they'll definitely be in the final, hundred um, percent. And that takes us through to Friday night. The Rabbitohs up against the Seagulls. I thought this was the the match of the weekend. This was um, it was probably a frustrating game if you're a Manly fan or a South fan for that matter at, at various times. But for a neutral, this was just grand entertainment. This was like I had so much fun watching this game. Like yeah, like exactly what you said. It was one for the neutrals. It had. Like, I hate to use a cliche, right, but that was semi-finals football. Like, it was just, there was so much excitement and so many talking points, um, some spectacular tries, lots of, um, you know, lots of controversy. Mm. Uh, it was it was, it was was a real good Friday night in front of the telly. It was it was fun. It had a bit of everything. Um, I mean, we'll talk about some of the, the controversies. I think there were four sin minnings for the weekend. We'll include, uh, I guess, Cam Smith in the conversation, along with Brad Parker, Cody Walker, and probably the big one, Jake Travojevic. In this game, um, do you want to throw in your opinion before I throw in mine? Oh, I mean, they were all sin bins, right? So, yeah. I mean, they're all, they're all, the rules around what qualifies as a sin bin is all those things happen in those rulings. So, they are what they are. Like, it, it, mm. it's not like it was a sin binning for a non-sin, non-sin binnable offence. I thought they were all pretty clear cut, to be mm. honest. The, um, you know, there's a press release that's been republished this week from about two and a half years ago saying a slap to the face is now a sin bin. Um, it was early 2017 that came in. It came in because once the punch was banned, the players were all slapping each other and it mm. was a terrible look for the game. And all the coaches agree, the competition committee, you know, Trent Robinson was strong on it. Um, the players all knew about it. They've known about it for a long time. So, I mean, I get, you know, Cody Walker was frustrated that um, there was some foul play from Jack Gajewski on... Um, one of the South players, he was standing up for his teammate, but you just you can't slap someone in the face. If you do, you go to the bin. Cam Smith's the same. He knows the rules. Afterwards, I think he, he said as much that he accepted that, you know, what he did constitutes a sin bin. Mm. Um, Brad Parker, there was no question mark. It was a not only, like you don't get sin bin for a trip usually, but it wasn't a sin bin for the trip. It was a sin bin for taking the yeah. player off the ball in the, the try scoring situation. I, th- I think what most, most fans that, that are annoyed at those calls, uh, they're blinded by the like, oh, but it wasn't that bad in terms of the scale of how bad a slap can be or like mm. how bad a, a, a tug on the jersey can be. It wasn't that bad. But that 
the scale doesn't ever really come into it. It's, it's quite black and white. You do it, it, it's it is invisible. black and white. Yeah. I think what um, a lot of people might get frustrated with is if you take the Cody Walker sin bin, um, you could argue that what Gajetsky did with the, we'll just call it general rubbish in the face, mm. was worse than the, sl- the slap, the strike that, that Cody mm. Walker had. But there's no ruling on, you know, doing that being an instant uh, rubbish in the face being a, an instant sin bin yet. I think there'll be some sort of progression towards that at some stage but I mean that's just that's what the rules are so yeah and that was a, a dumb play I mean it cost his team they they would have had a um, South kicking a, a goal line dropout instead they had South kicking a penalty so that was a, a bad play for his team but I agree yeah. with you like to the rubbish in the face that then sparks the all-in brawl I, I think there was a case for, for both of them to go for mm. 10 um, people are saying around the the Cam Smith one you know Reed Money's all over him grabbing his jersey what's he supposed to do well he's supposed to not strike the player in the face really yeah. like you can slap his hand away you can shove him in the chest you just can't slap him in the face I've heard people say oh but you know Smith got Sinbit and then Mike Acevo does a shoulder charge and stays on the field well A they're completely separate incidents that doesn't mean the Cam Smith one was wrong B I thought Acevo probably should have gone for 10 oh, when when he was shoulder when charge. it happened I was like oh well he's, I thought he's he was gone. going to yeah but the fact that he got a, that they got away with it but they decided not to Sinbit him I, I thought was surprising yeah um, I agree. I thought yeah. that was a sim. In the, obviously, the last one, Jake Trevojevic, is probably the one that's created the most debate, the most um, certainly some well-known pundits have had their say and a lot of fans are blowing up on social media. I mean, people are saying that Gagai only went down because they collided legs and it wasn't the jersey grab. Well, he still grabbed his jersey. He was supporting a line break and that side that Gagai was on, the right side, was where... Adam Reynolds was unmarked and potentially going to score a try. I just I think it had to be a sin bin. Do you use like any? Oh, actually, I won't, like you can. There's a difference between doing something like sorry. There's no difference between committing a crime and attempting to commit the crime. Both things are a crime. Like mm. so, attempting to pull someone down with by the, like uh, by dragging on the jersey and then trying it and accidentally them colliding and having him fall, that be the reason he falls over it doesn't matter. You still made the act of trying to of grabbing at the jersey to to, to, to pull him back. It's a it's a penalty. Yeah. I mean, it's a sin bin. And you, that's black and white. That's what it is. I mean, different outcomes will change the, the penalty a lot of the time, but I still think, yeah, it's the, the, the fact that he fell over made it look a lot worse, and it certainly brought, you know, if he doesn't fall over, maybe they don't notice it, but, yeah. We really need here. someone to come in here and disagree because we're agreeing with each other <laughs> way too much. <laughs> we'll uh, see if we can find out what Wingy thinks and, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, otherwise the game was, was sensational entertainment. Um, you know, Moses Sully rampaging over the top of Dane Gagai, who had an unfortunate evening. Um, Adam Dewey was so much better at fullback. Mm. Some of his kick returns, scooping those you know, bobbling balls up at pace and just streaking away, you know, making a lot of runs and, and half breaks um, from those kicks. I thought he was fantastic. Um, Cameron Murray, I thought, was just best on ground. He had to go out into centres again. Cam Murray has he has everything. He just gets mm. he gets better and better every single game and he is really good looking as well. Like he's having a year. I I'm gonna say that Cam Murray's now one of the best thirteens in the game and he's probably a better centre than most of the centres in the NRL <laughs> as well. <laughs> It's um it's remarkable that usually when a, a centre goes down, you've got to move a forward. It's like an edge back rower goes out one, and they sort of, um, you know, Mitch Alberson's very good there, but mm. he's more of the the typical you know edge forward that that goes out a bit wider or like a Kurt Capel or somewhere. As Cam Murray's an out and out middle, goes out to the centres, and he's just perfect in defence, yep. and he's still got that pace and spark in attack. It's just it's phenomenal how good of a player he is. Really, yeah, yeah. he's doing really well. 
Um, we also saw the return of the uh, George Tafua. Yes. Um, uh, I don't want to say king hit, but, you know. Heat-seeking missile. Yeah, twice on poor, <laughs> old, <laughs> poor old Ethan Lowe. <laughs> also playing in the centres on, yeah. the, on the other edge. Um, yeah, you really lined him up. That, that first one, he, he's, he's very good at sniffing out a hospital pass, I think, George <laughs> Tafua. Once the ball sort of floats up and the player's a little bit defensive and has to catch it, he's, he's going to get his ribs tickled. But it's amazing how he can, like, just compare those two hits, which were just excellent hits with the um, the Suli, um sorry, the Sivo um, shoulder charge. Mm. It's It takes a lot of awareness about where your body is and how you're going to hit someone to pull off a hit like that and not and have it be as effective but also not a shoulder charge. Yeah. It's really, um, yeah, he's got a great technique. It's what makes the, the, the Sivo one sort of sillier because it's almost an identical shot except one, the arm's wrapped and the other one, it's tucked. Mm. And that's the difference between mm. a great tackle and a, you know, a suspension, which is what Sivo's now copped. He's, yep. he's going to miss a, a week. So, um, you know, he, he put a huge hit on, I think, Darwin Tennis Lesniak a few weeks ago, Sivo. So he's got it in his game. <laughs> that, was, a, that was a massive hit. <laughs> he just needs, to, uh, just needs to wrap the arm. Yeah. Um, Plenty of talking points in that game. I don't know if we're going to get through all of them. Anything else you desperately wanted to add? Uh, you've already mentioned, yeah, Moses Suli had a, had an excellent game. What about, uh, do we want to talk about Hasler on the phone to Graham Annesley afterwards? Actually, we should talk about the the post game yeah. as well. That <laughs> okay. was, um, I've heard it suggested that it was as much for the cameras so that he could get his point across mm. to the wider public about how upset he was without getting a fine for blasting it Jeez, in the press conference. He, if he's just playing 4D chess, isn't he? That is, that's, he's always five moves ahead. That's really, really... I mean, I, I hadn't thought that, but you saying that, doesn't. it's not out of the realms of possibility. What what guy? What, yeah. a, what a player. I mean, like, he's, yeah. like he just... He knows... He knows how to use every avenue um, available to him. He knows how to work the system. Yeah. Um, and then the South press conference. I covered this game. I was in the press conference. I was two metres in front of Wayne Bennett when he was saying all this. But I was just like, is he having just the most seniors moment of all time? Or is he <laughs> is he also the puppet master pulling the strings? Because he came in and he said he had no idea what was what to make of the game or what was going on. And he was all over the, all over the shop, I think, was his direct quote. Yeah. And then he got two of his own players' names wrong. He kept calling Cam Murray, Campbell Murray. And he was talking about the, the injuries and the forwards yeah. going out to the centres. He was like Campbell Murray on one side and then the other forward, I've forgotten his name, uh, Jamin Lowe. <laughs> Jamin Lowe from <laughs> Jamin 2003. Lowe from, <laughs> retired from the NRL seven years ago. Hasn't played for South in nine years. And then created himself to Ethan Lowe, which obviously was the, the correct answer. And then he regaled us all with the story about how he went down at half time, having missed Cam Murray's try and thought they were down and gave them all a blast about how, you know, we need to play better and, you know, to hopefully, you know, get back in front in the second half. And apparently they said, you know, hey, coach, you know, we're up. And he's like, what? So he had to give a new speech yeah. about, yeah, we're up, boys, yeah. go, boys. You know, keep, Don't stop keep now. Um, which, but, you know, good yeah. on him on, for sharing that. Like, outside of the forgetting the players' names, that's just pure comedy. But yeah. sharing that, that's a cool little, like, yeah. that, that's a nice little anecdote. Um, and you don't really get that sort of stuff in press conferences. Mm. Um, he's so, the master. And yeah. he gets to set the agenda again. He's yeah. sort of, he's deciding what we're going to be talking about. But I think everyone... Everyone's happy to go with it because yeah. it's good. It's good value. Maybe the getting, maybe the Cam Murray, Campbell Murray thing. Maybe that was deliberate because it, because he obviously saw that Cam Murray had another outstanding game and doesn't want him thinking that that he's you know getting getting full of himself or anything. So he's he's deliberately forgotten his name just to take him down a peg and keep him level, just to undermine his confidence yeah, no, a little we're bit. Working with two master coaches here. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure Cam Murray's someone who particularly needs to be taken down a peg. He seems like a very humble young man, but uh, the master coach, he uh, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, that's the four games of the round. A quick throw ahead to uh, to next week. We've got two prelims. So Souths travel to Canberra and then the uh, the grand final 
rematch uh, Storm and uh, Storm and Roosters at the SCG. Jeez, that is going to be massive. And the be reason massive. that because the we're out of there's no more home ground finals, so we're into home city finals. Yes, I find it an interesting decision that that's being played at the SCG and not ANZ, and not because for crowd reasons. I think they'll get the same amount of people regardless. But mm. the, I mean, the ANZ, uh, it's like the lesser of two evils here. It, it's better for watching. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's better for watching a, a, a rectangular sport than um, than the SCG. Yeah, SCG is not. Uh, I think you know most people would accept it's not ideal for for rugby league. There's a lot of space between the sideline and the fence. Mm. It's not the best viewing ground. Like it's stunning to go watch, you know, an Ashes, Ashes Test match in the cricket, but um, it's not as great for rugby league. But in turn, I'm not sure what the actual rules are with home city. But if you have a home ground that's one of the eligible mm. venues, then I think you would probably lean you towards to, giving the, the team. And you know, based it. on uh, I think it was one of your articles actually, CK, around how the Roosters have practiced more than mm. anybody else on the SCG and how because it's a circle instead of a rectangle can throw playmakers off. So if they have that advantage, why would they not? Continue it. It's Fair actually Wingy that tipped me off to the uh, to the idea. I went out and asked Cooper Cronk about it at one of the the media ops, and he uh, didn't really seem too keen to give much away. I think it was part of their sort of secret mm. strategy, but mm-hmm. um, secret shook business. <laughs> secret squirrel was the uh, the exact words that yeah. he used. But um, yeah, it certainly is an advantage. Um, if you missed the article, it's uh, one of the points was not just the extra space which can throw kickers off, but also there's the hard wicket square in the middle, which even when there's no cricket pitch rolled in in, in the winter, there's still the you know the turf's a bit harder, and that creates a you know, a less absorbent, harder patch in the middle, and then the water runoff creates a boggy patch around the outside of that. So it's actually all a bit uneven in terms mm. of what you're regularly used to. But the the roosters have learned to use that to their advantage. Um, I guess you'd have to ask one of the other teams that's played there whether they actually threw them off at all. But um, it's an interesting one, and they certainly have been going well there. I think round one was the last time they lost there, and it was also the last time that Latrell Mitchell failed to completely outscore the entire opposition team on his own. Oh, so wow. nine games in a row, the trails <laughs> outscored the, the opposition. So be interesting to see if you can keep that one going against the uh, the Storm. Anyway, I think that brings us to the end of the... Uh, or do you want to talk South Canberra? Um, yeah, well, why do not? Do we give South much of a chance? They were pretty scrappy against uh, Manly. Canberra's had a, a week off and they're obviously at home. Yeah, I, I find... I don't really know how to read South anymore because they are sort of... They, mm. look, they, they Even in that last game, they were hot and cold. They seemed... When yeah, it was, when it was eight nil, and eight nil is a small margin, but when it was eight nil, it looked like they were in complete control, and they were, this was going to be a complete walkover. And then they they let Manly right back in, and then mm. really struggled to get on top of them until until DCE gave away a penalty. Basically, that's yeah. the, that's the only way you knew the game was going to be over. Um, so I'm not sure. You, you have to think the way Canberra have been playing, the fact that they're rested, the fact that they've um, they mm. would have had time to develop a pretty strong game plan around how they're going to handle this. Plus, you're going to have a sold out GIO Stadium. Yeah, uh, it'd be, it's hard not to see Canberra winning this one. It is hard. I think. I mean, obviously, in a, a big final, anything can happen, and every team has their chance. If you know South, you know they've got some plenty of good players. If they get on top early, then who knows? I, I can't see Canberra turning another performance like they did against the uh, the Warriors a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I know there were some players rested for that game, but pretty much the whole team was uh, was off. Um, but yeah, you think they'd be up for a, a big final like this one? So I guess the the early tip is for. Um, the two teams that got the week off to play the grand final. I can kind of see Roosters getting the storm at the SCG and, and then Canberra beating South down in Canberra. This is my hot take. We're <laughs> looking at a Canberra-Melbourne grand final. Canberra-Melbourne. That is how I see things. Uh, I guess next week we'll, we'll see. That would be interesting. But that's well, what I'm calling. We'll be back this time next week. We will. Indeed. This time next week to find out whether you were right or wrong. We'll yeah. catch you all then. Goodbye. Goodbye.